Hello, Jesper. Hello, Jan. How are you today? I am very well. I have a I have a very nice, freshly brewed cup of coffee in my hand. Oh, lovely. That sounds absolutely amazing. I have to confess that my double shot of espresso disappeared way before we started uh, recording this. Well, we'll take a break so you can get another one because uh, we do want to talk a little bit about coffee today. Ooh, I would love that. We also have a bunch of questions because we, we did do. this. Uh, yeah, we did this uh, question episode uh, a while back and it was a lot of fun. And also we both got new questions since then and realized there were some old questions that we hadn't discussed. So maybe we should just bounce some questions around and see where we end up. Let's do that. Let's do that. I think you got one, the one that you shared yesterday. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Do you, do you want to start mm. with that one? I think so. Yeah, let's start with that. So how do designers contribute, especially in these uh, slightly more darker days? Sort of sticking to what we do is more important than ever. The whole idea of listening, of empathy, of bringing people together to jointly create something, finding a path forward, listening to each other. And again, using empathy to create is is so fundamental to design work. And if we can stick with that, I think it is it is a good contribution. And then, of course, we need to use it for something beyond simply doing it. But if that is our contribution as a foundation, it's a great start. I think that is just absolutely spot on. Design is so much about contribution that I think this is the the perfect tool to actually try to improve the world around you and even the, the world at large. Maybe I would say that whenever something happens in the world or in your life, it could be a time to reflect on, are you actually working on the problems that you think are the most valuable ones? But other than that, I think your your answer is absolutely spot on. Does print design affect the world beyond the printed page? I love this question. This is great. Uh, I even remember two or three years ago, we were sitting at a cafe in Stockholm and we sort of discussed this because I asked you about how you got into print design or magazine design was the actual example I used. Right, and, yes. Uh, yeah, and you, you were a bit uh, confused because you didn't think it was about magazine design at all. Actually, you pushed back and said, well, it doesn't have to look like a magazine. Why would you do magazine design? Just do a design. And it turned into a, a, a um, wonderfully tangential and amazing conversation as it usually does. Print design is at its core, it's graphical communication. It's not so much about print. Print is just a material. Uh, the rest of it is all about how we communicate using shapes, forms, type, color, just like all design has its basis on, on how humans perceive things. And these are just the medium that we move in. So I think print design as a craft or as a, as a category of design definitely influences um, technological design or what, what should I call it? Tech, tech design? Web design? No. Jesus, web design from the 90s. <laughs> Digital design sounds great, yeah. Okay. I, I think print design absolutely influences digital design, and I think it makes a lot of sense that we learn a lot from print design and graphical design. We, we know from the all of the stories that uh, Steve Jobs found it really important that personal computers should have 
variable fonts, not variable fonts, but fonts on them. I think it's been core to digital design since the start that we look to we look to the greats of graphic design. What do you think? I think typography is the biggest contribution from paper delivered design to digital design. The use of typography has a much bigger impact than a lot of people give it credit for or are aware of. And one doesn't need to be aware of it. Obviously, it's, it's, it's not about the typography in itself. It's what the typography does. I also think there are certain certain publications. I'm, I'm thinking about uh, Gentlewoman, for example. It's an, an amazing magazine. You could mm. you could very clearly see how it affected, within the span of just a couple of months, started affecting digital design. And the way the stories were told throughout the magazine that started influencing the interactions in digital work. Someone mentioned the other day that uh, Noble Rot, the magazine, had, had actually gotten them into digital design, which I think is, is interesting. And the physical format of course, the magazine is, is a little bit sort of smaller in, in stature than a lot of other titles. But what this person saw the connection being, it helped them design for tablets and phones in a new way. They weren't, they'd never felt that digital design was interesting when it was on a large screen or on a laptop. It was the tactility, the touch that brought it into it. And that came directly from, from print design. That is super interesting, especially in that last part about uh, making, uh, taking them into designing for smaller screens and the tactile yeah. feel of small objects. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that, actually. The, so then I went and bought two issues of Noble Rot, and I still didn't quite get it. But uh, <laughs> I, I, sort of, I, I got a sense for what they, what they meant. Now, we can't go on anymore. I have to have a sip of coffee. Ah, so is this where we take the coffee break? Yes, it's worth noting um, to everyone who's listening that in the script for today, Jesper had put coffee break in, like it was like line two, coffee break. Maybe a little <laughs> early, maybe a little early. So line I five. I don't know. Yeah. Like we are recording yeah. this uh, the earliest time we've ever recorded a podcast. So we definitely need a lot of coffee. I it think is it true. makes sense. It is practically in the middle of the night. <laughs> Do you want to go and get some coffee and we'll play a little bit of music and then we'll, we'll, we'll continue talking? Actually, you know what? I really would like that. <laughs> Excellent. Cue music. So, Jan, what kind of coffee are you drinking? Today I'm drinking coffee from Square Mile Coffee Roasters in England, in London. It's really, really nice. These are beans that I got from uh, Slow Hands Coffee in Hägerstens Åsen, just outside of um, central Stockholm. I highly recommend it. Run by two twins from, uh, from Liverpool. So they carry Slow Hands and also Morning Coffee Roasters. So I'm having this amazingly luxurious uh, blended bean coffee from Kaufland. Uh, which, uh, for those of you who live outside of uh, uh, Germany, uh, it's a um, discount supermarket. And uh, <laughs> these wonderful beans are probably freeze-dried, you know, the last decade or something. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was very cheap. So now I have uh, over a kilo of amazing Kaufland coffee beans. 
let me ask you another question. And we ended, before the coffee break, we ended with print design. So I want to spin that further because we have another question that sort of relates to it. Maybe not quite, but sort of. So why is spatial design relevant for app designers or maybe service designers? Because we human beings move around in physical environments and understanding how we contribute to that or distract from it even is key for a app service site to actually deliver on its full potential. Yeah, I love that, actually. The, that answer provides everything you really need to know. It's one of those, um, almost a factoid answer. Um, <laughs> I, I think to, I, I love this topic, so I just want to spin on it a little bit. The, the human mind didn't evolve to understand two-dimensional interfaces. There are none on the savannah. There are only three-dimensional things. Trying to navigate something abstract like a piece of text or a, a two-dimensional map is really something that you need to learn. It's a complicated skill. But they all relate back to how we spatially interpret reality. Mm. So a map is laid out in the same way for several different cultures because it, it represents how a human would perceive the world in 2D. There are different map projections, yes, but they're all laid out in sort of the same way. So I, I think it really relates back to what is a human being and, and how, do we, how do we interact with the world? Indeed. Indeed it is. Question, why do even experienced designers love clickbait-type concept illustrations? <laughs> I don't I know. Love this. this is very serious. Yeah, I know, I know. This, <laughs> I, I love this question. It's one of the, uh, one of the running gags in sort of the, the uh, milieu of designers that I've been moving is that dribble is full of stuff that would never actually work. It just looks nice. So in, in this question, when this came, question came up, I don't know where you got this question, but I love this question because I, I've had variations of this question so many times. Why do we fall for it? I think it's because, I think it's because something can be beautiful or impactful without actually being thought through. Mm. Like you can look at a piece of art and be blown away even though it is completely impossible in the real world. When we see clickbait-type concept illustrations, we can think, wow, that gives me such a vis visceral feeling of joy and, and like interest, even though we know at some point that that would never work. Like This is completely bonkers, but it's still beautiful. The, the, the concept renders for uh, architects is one of my pet peeves personally because i'm trying to i'm trying to build a house in the near future and it just there's nothing to really look at because all of it is just concept renders but showing what is possible and displaying like a vision of the future is that really never a good thing it's it's very much a good thing it's the intent that you do it with that matters if you uh, just make it to look big and wow and amazing and look how shiny this is, then it's pretty useless. If it's actually yeah. built on something, if it's if it if it is being created to convey a story, a message, something that has been ideally co-created has a purpose in continuing a dialogue, um, securing funding, even then, absolutely. 
Actually, you know, I had a conversation yesterday about a similar thing in um, in fashion when a something has been established as a, a niche subcultural thing, like the leather jackets for punks, right? Mm-hmm. Originally, it was because their parents had leather jackets just uh, lying around, and the punks took the leather jackets and they and they um, customized them to not look like their parents' jackets, but they didn't have any money, so they just used whatever they had. They would use graffiti, or they would like put uh, studs through it that they found, and stuff like that. Uh, and then that became a trend, and then uh, companies moved in and started producing these at scale, and you could buy punk leather jackets in the store. That is a completely different thing than the original punk jacket. It just looks the same. And the reason why punks find it infuriating that you can now buy this is because that detracts from the actual values that created the original subculture. So I think this this also applies to what you just said, because clickbaity type concept illustrations, they actually detract from the real value that design is providing. But, Jan, another question. The Apple Studio, yay or nay? Will you get one? It's really ugly. Obviously, it's more important what it does. But, yes, ugly, 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 ugly. What about you, Jesper? I Like, from, from a more scientific design uh, perspective, probably a, a very smart choice. Uh, it's probably very cheap to produce, and it does look nondescript. Uh, which is exactly what you need if you if you're working on a like a work station type of setup. I think that sounds great for a lot of people. But for me, will I get one? Do I like it? No, God, no. It's it's, not, it's there's nothing wrong with the machine itself. It's just that this is not for me. I would like a lighter iPad. You do you remember that really old Mac that had um? It looked almost like the Pixar lamp. Yeah, yeah. The, I th- I was that the like, first iMac, maybe? Was it? It could have been, actually. Yeah. That that computer, I would like that stand for an iPad. Oh, That's pretty much all I would like. And mm. then I could just work on that. Or even, even to borrow something from Microsoft, Microsoft has this wonderful, uh, the uh, Surface Studio, which is like something like a giant, giant screen that is also a touch screen, but it has a hinge that it rests on, that you can both uh, hold up so it sits in front of you like a normal monitor, and that you can push down so it becomes almost like a drawing table. And I would absolutely love to have that for an iPad. But a, a workstation computer? No, that's just not my my um, setup anymore. Yeah, we do need to talk about foldable screens. That is a really good topic, I think. Do you have a foldable screen? I do not. Do you? I don't, but I've used the device with a foldable screen. And this is where I refrain from asking you what you thought, because we should save that for next episode and focus on the here and now. Thank you very much, Jan. It's time for me to find another bucket of cheap coffee. See you next week. (laughs) Indeed.